Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Ramblings from the Road. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And today is Thursday, September 8th in the year 2022. And tonight's just going to be kind of a casual and a little different format for our show. There's a lot of things I just want to touch on. And I've been in and out, obviously, with pre-recorded shows that have been beautifully supported by Duncan Kilted Christian, so many thanks to him. There's a lot of things just I want to talk about in terms of our nation, in terms of faith, in terms of our relationship with Jesus. And it's so important right now that we really get this right. Before we begin, one of the critical things that we do face right now is the threat to our hard-earned capital. And to at this point in time, you need to do all you can to preserve that into hard assets, particularly silver and gold, precious metals. And that's why we have Birch Gold. Inflation is real. The CPI is at another 40-year high, hitting 9.2%, and real inflation on daily goods, bread, milk, meat, gas for your car, even rents, are at over 30%. The recession is real. If all your money is in the market or tied up in U.S. dollars, you're messing with fire. It's critical for you to take a hard look at diversifying your savings into gold and silver. That's where the professionals at Birch Gold come in. Text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 and get a free information kit on how to diversify and protect your savings with precious metals. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, gold is the right investment to make now. Text BARDS to 989898 and get real help from Birch Gold today. Again, text BARDS to 989898 to claim your free, no-obligation information kit on how to protect your hard-earned savings with gold. And that's BARDS, you're texting to 989898, and in case you're confused about that spelling, (laughs) that would be B-A-R-D-S. I think we got that one. So Patriots, you know, this is a really amazing country that we're in, and I've had the blessing of these last almost three weeks of traveling from coast to coast. Tomorrow I'll be in Plymouth, Massachusetts, which will literally put me on officially on the opposite coast. And in the whole process, I've encountered people, witnessed really the real state of the union. And the state of the union outside of the liberal infected cities is really very positive. The biggest challenge, though, is that we're not believing it and we're not putting our eyes first and foremost on the one authority that can change it and preserve it and bring it back to our control, and that's God. I want to start by playing a piece tonight. It is reference towards Britney Spears, and I'm no fan of Britney Spears, and I'm also no fan of the drama that everybody's been focusing on around Britney Spears. 
But I want you to hear what she has to say. And then I want you to hear the follow-up discussion by a really astute person who I would say is really speaking more like a pastor, which is exactly what God's doing a lot these days. It's calling people, not from the pulpit, but people that will listen to speak truth and to truly get us grounded back where we need to be. Take a listen. Britney Spears just came out and said that there is no God. And what she had to say literally gave me the chills. Take a listen. It saddens me not one of you have valued me, valued me as a person. You've witnessed me how my family has been to me, and that's all you know. Like I said, I feel you all secretly like to say something's wrong with me. Honestly, my dad needs to be in jail for the rest of his life. But like I said, God would not allow that to happen to me if a God existed. I don't believe in God anymore because of the way my children and my family have treated me. There is nothing to believe anymore. I'm an atheist, y'all. I'm going to try to say this with love, but sometimes love does not sound nice. Britney Spears, do not blame God for the suffering that you yourself have brought upon your own life. Not to say that God will not allow us to suffer. Look at Jesus. The Bible says that we will suffer, but with God, our suffering is transformed into his glory. That's the difference. But here's the problem. When you acquire wealth on your own accordance apart from God. This is what happens. At some point in your life, you have to taste those fruits that you planted, that you harvested, that you watered, that you grew. You grew these fruits apart from God. And now the time has come for you to taste those fruits. And now you're eating these fruits and you're looking at God and you're saying, God, why are these fruits so bitter? Why are these fruits so disgusting and wicked, God? Why have you forsaken me? And God is looking down at you and God is saying, you planted those on your own. Sowing seeds because we do sow seeds with all the things that we do. And it's been very evident and very present in, in everything that I do. Very prescient, in fact over this last few weeks of just how much our individual actions affect our lives. We tend not to think that way. We tend to think that we can meander and make decisions that might affect our finances because of a job that we choose. But the job itself can be mindless, and that's okay as long as we follow that obedience and then we get the paycheck. And that paycheck is then about paying our mortgage and paying off our cars or paying off our credit cards paying the monthly electric bill, paying the food. All of these things have bills and all of these things have costs. And yet we don't take more responsibility for changing that. We take less by trying to find yet another job or a bigger title of a job to line our pockets with more of the Babylonian capital. At the core of this nation, there's amazing and beautiful people. I encounter them all the time. When I was in Macon, Georgia, as I drove up to the hotel, it's a downtown area that used to be robust with manufacturing. Macon used to be one of the strongholds for linen factories, building and weaving, and and the sort of products that we have from everything from clothing and material to sheets and bedding. Today, that equipment is so depleted in our inventories of manufacturing that Mike Lindell can't even find an American company to manufacture his sheets. And so he has to get them 
done in places other than China, and yet that, even that is a struggle. But back to Macon. So as I drive up to Macon, it's a really nice hotel, and it's a hotel called the 45th, appropriately named, I guess. And as I drive up, it was a, a glimpse into the modern and the old Georgia. There's three people that were at the hotel that night. I arrived pretty late. You had the security guard, you had the desk attendant, and you had the valet parking guy. And all three of them were sitting outside on folding chairs on the porch or on the patio as if it was a porch outside on the edge of the, on the sidewalk, just enjoying a great conversation. The job didn't matter, and it didn't matter to me. As I drove up and I unloaded, I had some cookies with me, which I shared, and we all just had a great conversation. It didn't matter what our race was. It didn't matter what our backgrounds were. It didn't matter what shoes we wear wore. We just had some great conversation. And see, that's the real America. And when you touch that, it's vibrant. And I've been touching it. You run into the, the showman. The people that like to be self-obsessed, they're concerned about more about what they're looking like than they do about how they're living. Their breakfast is a quick instant drink with a soy protein boost so that they can have that going for the day so they don't really have to eat as it has an appetite suppressant because everything is about being thin. And really for men, it's about being thin and looking a certain way. Make sure your biceps are big, but your legs are skinny. See, we've been shaped by images that are coming off of walkways and runways for fashion and the images that we see on TV and the hotels and the inner cities now are becoming the showcases to make those fantasies become real. The downtown of Macon isn't rebuilding an industry, it's rebuilding a nostalgia of the industry. That's the same going on everywhere, where it's, whether it's Raleigh or whether it's any other town that I've gone through. And that's an unfortunate piece because we're not seeing the return of industry. We're seeing the return of things that people like to hang out at, not to do work, but to experience that nostalgia that was in the movies or in the stories. But now it's not really so much the nostalgia as it is the the modern version of that. Make sure you've got a soy latte or you've got a a place to get a cup of coffee that can do soy lattes. Make sure you've got a beer pub. And make sure you've got some sort of high-level cuisine that gets written up in, in three or four stars or five stars if you're lucky. And make sure and have a couple swank hotels that are really geared towards that new modern era so they've got, when you get into the rooms, everything is very clean and very sanitary. It's very efficient. There's always plug-ins with USB ports and et cetera. This is the America right now that is being rebuilt around us. There's great people, but we're being heavily influenced by the culture that is being built for us and being recreated for us in reality. Where is it being built? It's being built in the movies. It's being built in the theater shows. It's being built in the serials on TV. It's being built in the news. You know, MasterCard in 2012 had an algorithm that they said that they could predict what someone was going to buy a year in advance. A year in advance. That's not just the algorithm. That's an integrated system that is so advanced today that literally not only can they predict what you're going to buy, they can direct what you will buy by the influences of social media, the advertising, the sorts of 
human behavior tracking that they integrate into how they develop new ads. And they literally, for those absorbed in that sort of experience, they literally shape the outcome of what people are going to buy, thinking that they're doing it on their own free will, when in fact it was all designed in somebody's back room. And it may be even new products that you never thought of because they're going to convince you that you need it. And so we listen to in, subconsciously or consciously. We absorb the media and the messages. We're influenced by the many different ways that they do that. Colors, sounds, flicker in the screen. All these things are part of a social conditioning system that is deeply embedded in, with, from our cell phones that we can't live without to our laptops, to our TVs, and even the magazines. And as a result, we've become a society that is very much steered towards an engineered outcome. And it is literally like we are following a script or a movie. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. And there's a lot of good news going on right now, but we have to start embracing what that good news really is. One of those good news things is that the consumer price index right now, as much as it's going up, the consumer confidence is going down. Why is that good? Because people are starting to not listen to the propaganda. They're starting to disengage from the influences of advertising. And we're seeing the results of that in direct impact with retail sales falling and stores actually closing. So someone would say, well, that's bad because we don't have choice. But I say it's good because it's destroying the corporate oligarchs that are controlling this whole grid. At the same time, we also know that buying habits are changing. The COVID issue is quite a trap because what it really did is as they started to see that people were falling from the narrative and they were not listening to the narrative, they brought in that pandemic so that they could drive fear. People would buy online and now people are very obedient to another type of narrative. That narrative is obedience to the state when it comes to medicine, medical, or masks. And that obedience is still there. So we have a long ways to go to wake up. But as a nation, there's some pretty powerful things going on. But at the core of all of this is really the question of where's the state of our pulpit and where's the state of our relationship with Jesus, with our relationship to Christ and Christ to the Father. And what has struck me most in this whole trip is how when we listen to God, how profound and how powerful it is that he moves, and he literally moves mountains. I've shared the story from when I started this trip and how I drove through Wyoming and that was a very powerful experience, a moment that started when I felt I couldn't do, go drive, I couldn't drive through the whole night, and yet I had to to make it on time. And it was literally a conversation with Jesus. I was fasting. Jesus asked, do you want to drive or do you want to fast? I said, I want to drive. He said, eat something. And I didn't eat much, and I was completely energized, and I drove through the state of Wyoming without a hesitation. It was a beautiful night, and it continued through the next day. Those sorts of encounters have continued across this entire trip. And as you know, I've been delivering 12 Bibles, 12 plus one, actually. 12 Bibles that were designed and designated by name by God as I move forward here. And Father's led that way, and some have changed as I've gone along. All I've had to do is listen. And it's an eclectic group of people now that are, have received these Bibles, all of them on the front lines of this war, all of them standing up in a way that God needs them to to continue the fight. We have a pillow salesman. We've got a chiropractor. I've, contact, I've given one to a scientist. I've given one to a filmmaker. I've given one to a rock and roller. 
I've given one to a small country church with traditional values. I've given one to a lieutenant colonel in the army who's fighting the vax. I've given one to the lieutenant governor of the state of North Carolina who is, has a ton of enemies because literally in Raleigh, North Carolina, his office is essentially surrounded by churches that are flying LGBTQ flags. See, this fight is very, very viscerally real in the spiritual realm. And the more that we drive around and take, a, and take witness to what's happening, we realize how real it is. And that means that we have a massive responsibility, each and every one of us. We're human. We, we walk a path. We have passions. We like to do things. We tend to be, as humans, pretty optimistic overall. And it's hard to keep our head constantly in a fight. And when we don't have to, we really don't want to. And we will find distractions to take us away. But at the end of the day, the, the critical part of this whole thing is, are we living in the word? Are we living in the word of Jesus? Are we walking with Christ? Are we constantly putting him forward? And that's not easy to do. When we get into relationships or we get into our work or we get into things, those things are very consuming. And we're not accustomed to taking a step back and placing Christ first. But as we do, we find a release, we find a freedom, we find a security, we find a strength that's unlike anything we've ever seen. And it takes a discipline. But the more that we do that as a nation, the more that we walk away from this evil and the more that we find that this evil is broken and literally can't stand. Now, this evil is in panic right now. There's a lot of things happening that happened today that are indications that we're into something very, very big coming at us. So I tell you to buckle up. Some more of the dark news that you need to hear is the state of our military, as we know it, the military that we see, that military is really left with what I would call the 120,000 heroes plus the 60,000 reservists. That's really the core of the military that's left. The rest of them, they've all been compromised. Those that took the shot one way or another, whether they're compromised mentally or physically, they are compromised, and whether they want to admit that or not is really not my concern. We know what this shot will do, and it's doing it. When we talk about that in terms of first responders and we talk about that in terms of our police and firemen, we're in the same state. And constantly over and over, what I come back to as I drive around this country is I realize that as a nation, we have been judged. Not that we will be judged, but that we have been judged. And that judgment has fallen on the hearts of the many that decided to be obedient to the things that God never asked you to be obedient to. Now, each one of us has a burden to carry and a cross to bear. Every single one of us. And this is part of the walk that we're in, the walk of accountability. And that's really where we are now. And as we look across this nation and I move across this nation, it's pretty amazing to see the strength of spirit that is here. Truck drivers aren't going to play any game of woke. They just don't. Ranchers aren't playing woke. They just don't. But at the same time, we still have the ongoing war between those who have and those that get jealous of those that are trying to take away from them. Right now, there's a war being waged, for example, with deer herds. Very few people know about this. But there's a thing called wasting disease. And wasting disease is supposedly something that has prions in the brain that causes the deer to eventually waste away and die. So they've decided they have a way to solve it 
or at least track it. And the way that they do is if they identify that you have wasting disease or the potential for wasting disease on your land, they'll come in and kill all the deer and then test them to find out if they're right. This is the lunacy of the times in which we live. But here's the darker part of that agenda. Texas is a good example of this. There's some big ranches that pay for expensive hunts so people can come in and hunt big racks of deer. It's business. It's billion dollars worth of business. And it's good business. It also deals with very well-executed wildlife management. Deer are well-fed, well-maintained. Herds are maintained at an extremely high level. There's been some very innovative ranchers and very forward-leaning ranchers that have now managed to grow herds of white-tailed deer with big racks. So a two-year-old deer that might have a small rack, some of these new racks are 6 or 12 points and 32 inches, 36 inches across. They're, they're trophy racks. And those have drawn the increasingly the interest of hunters that want to get the hunt for the deer with a bigger rack. But you know those big ranchers that have been making huge money off of this that didn't bother to follow that sort of genetic breeding? And by genetic breeding, I'm talking about selection, not genetic manipulation. Well, they've now had some influence on the wildlife groups out of the federal government that are now crushing the small ranchers with this accusing, by this accusation of wasting disease so that the entire herds of these enhanced rack white-tailed deer are being slaughtered because apparently they have wasting disease. Who wins on that? It's the big ranch owners, of course, because it takes away their competition. And this gets back to the core of who we are as a nation. We have a lot of amazing, hardworking Americans, but we also have a lot of jack wagons that are out here trying to maintain and their dominance in their wealth, not willing to adapt and willing to do anything with it and use their relationships and their influence in government to see others suffer the pain of their greed. That's the moral bankruptcy that we're dealing with right now across the country, and it's very prevalent. We have people that are working hard every day just to make ends meet, and they go unrecognized. Some are trying to do that and don't really have a true relationship in their faith. They just struggle by and they pray to God once in a while. And so there again is another amazing thing where as a country, we've really kind of lost our way with with our faith because faith has become somewhat of a sideline of things. And that's more prevalent than not across the nation. That church I mentioned down in Thomaston where I was at for a couple of years, and it was a beautiful thing to address that congregation because they were a big part of who I am today and where I've gone today. There's still a solid group of people. As one person put to me, I'm just a simple farmer, but with great values and great insight and a deep relationship with Christ. We need more of that. We need a lot less of the show in the bank. The government in which we are dealing with is a tyranny. It's not your friend, and there's really nothing about it that is your friend. The court systems are rigged. They're all rigged for those that have money and power. And the billionaire class isn't trying to work for the benefit of the country. They're trying to work for the benefit of themselves. If you're paying attention to the news, the wealthy are hoarding and preparing for something disastrous and not saying a word to the main people, to what we call the little people, 
us because they don't want us to know what they know because information is power for them. While they're looking at us, how they're going to survive and come out of this the other side and gain more power, but they're forgetting something. And it's a very important part of this whole trip. They're forgetting that maybe they're not talking to us, but God is talking to us and God is looking after his children and God does not take well at all to those that know what's coming and say nothing. In fact, that's the reference to the watchers on the wall. Those that say nothing, ultimately the blood is on their hand and that blood is a heavy hand of justice and judgment that God brings. We have a deep, important mission right now across this country to awaken the many and help them relate to and find that deep and loving relationship with Christ. There is a damage that has been done by the vax, but we're not going to get to the solution if we keep obsessing about the problem. We have to start looking at where we're going as a nation, and the first and foremost thing is the roots and foundations with God. That's how this country was built. That's how this country was blessed. And through him, all things can happen and happen profoundly. Science doesn't know how to fix the DNA modifications that these vaxes do. People are continuing to die at about 4,000 a week. We're seeing children damaged, and we're learning now from the UK without, we shouldn't be surprised that the vax is retarding their, their sexual development, which sounds like they're being primed to be transgenders or gender confused, which would not, again, should not surprise anybody. We're seeing an administration that continues to find the, the sexual deviants and freaks to fill its ranks. People that are proud of being that way as if being such an, such extremist and freak in the, in the world of sexuality is a new normal. And we're seeing so much in this leadership in this nation that is flat out bankrupt. It's not speaking truth to the people. It's not telling people the honest and necessary truth to keep them safe. And we continue to see people suffer as a process. And that's where we come in. Because we are the watchers on the wall. And if there's one thing that's really evident as I go along and I relate to what I see, to what I'm experiencing with this group, that is this fellowship that's developed around Bard's Nation, it becomes extremely clear that God is placing and demanding of us very big things. One of the things is the consistent story that I encounter of people, especially in Bard's Nation, that are moving back to their families or have moved back to their families relocating near or with families is a huge shift and it's a necessary one for what is coming. And that gets to the point of us taking care of our parents, taking care of our families, nurturing them. But more than that, it's nurturing our communities. Our communities need great leadership, but it's not going to be found in the traditional ways in which leadership is said to appear. We shouldn't be looking to politicians. We need to be looking towards those that are carrying that love of Christ in their heart. And there's many of those. And proudly, we should all be very proud of the fact that there's many within the ranks of Bard's nation. This is the remnant. And the remnant remnant is very, very real. In this time, this nation needs a remnant, a hardened group of people that have endured all of the things that they threw at us, that it withstood that and stood back up. And no matter what they threw, we stood back up. 
we've put up with scorn, we've put up with accusations, we've put up with people wanting to see us exterminated, thrown into FEMA camps, forced vaccinated. Who knows? Just the list goes on. All because we challenged their groupthink and what they believe to be the absolute truth that never came from God, but came from their versions of God's, which were the institutions of men. Each one of us now who has made it this far has amazing strength. And what will happen going forward is we will continue to be tested, not necessarily by God, but definitely by them because they're in panic mode. Their world is falling apart. But we aren't rooting, I and mean, we should never root for this, in fact, because the reality is that the majority of people that voted for Biden, the majority of people that follow the liberal way, the progressive way, have been injected, double-injected, and, and boosted. Patriots, that means a lot of dead people. And that's not something we should be looking forward to or celebrating. And in fact, that's where on our hearts we're going to have to step in and start pleading with Christ and for the blood of Christ to start healing. Because that's something we were given, but we have to believe in it. See, we're at a point right now, we're on a cusp of something amazing. And it's the, it's the reality that we, as a process of working with God, can bring about the true miracles of what he's offered. We were said that we can do greater works than he. We are said that we have dominion over all evil. And those are things that we have to believe. Not think that they were metaphor by Christ, because they weren't. They were spoken in red letter language. And we have to start realizing that what we're being put here for are to start seeking out those greater things that we may never have thought we would do or be able to do. It's not magic. It's not black magic. It's not parlor tricks. These are things that we've been told by Christ that we can do and greater than he. And so we're going to have to trust deeper than we ever have. And it's not because it's just that we want to. It's because this is the only way this world is going to survive. We are living in an absolute Ponzi scheme. Everything that we do, touch, are part of is rigged so that someone on a higher level wins over us. Taxes, profits, products, everything is about getting us to buy, constantly pay taxes, stay enslaved, never be free, and whittle us down and wear us down so that we never really touch and embrace the true power of the living God. The living God is everywhere. The living God is speaking boldly. And the living God isn't looking for some exclusive club. You know, when I come to Marriott, I've stayed at so many Marriott's over my time with my Department of Defense stuff. They have me ranked at some high level. And you always get extra rewards and they offer you more points and they give you exclusive concierge rooms and whatever. But see, that's their world. That's not God's world. In God's world, everything is open for all of us to access. The question is, do you have it in your heart to believe and to do? And in this trip, I've seen true believers. I've seen people, and that's the beauty of these 12 Bibles that I'm delivering is I'm touching really true believers, people that are fighting. And maybe they don't have a deep relationship with Christ, but I'll tell you what, they have a true believer in the passion of what is right and what is wrong. Each one of us needs that fire. Each one of us needs that flame. And that's the righteous fire that God gave us to have. Each one of us has to be willing to stand and to stand as Christ did 
never to bow, never to give in, but to give it all. You can leave nothing on the table. You have to leave it all on the field right now. And if you don't do that, we've failed. This isn't the practice session. This isn't another go around. Maybe I'll get better next year. This is for the big win. And the win right now is our relationship and duty, which God put before us. And what the world is looking at, what the world needs, are spiritual warriors that win and destroy evil decisively. Those wins are happening in small levels, but they will happen in massive levels when we all put our head in the game and realize that together, this group, this ruthless tyranny can accomplish nothing against us because we've got the biggest guy on the block. We've got the power of the living God. I love this country. I love its people. I love everything I see. I get frustrated with what I've seen has happened to us. It hurts. It hurts to see communities that have been destroyed by the industrial industrialists and the oligarchs. It hurts to see how we've accepted that rather than just say, no, we're not going to accept it and overcome. It hurts to see the massive homelessness. It hurts to see the people that have given up and taken drugs rather than to follow a path with God. It hurts to see people that choose the drinking over the reality of living. It hurts to see the broken families and the abused children. It hurts to see all those things when all we've always had to do is turn to God to let him guide us and strengthen us. And even hurts more is to know that all of those things that we're talking about were by design. They were designed to break a nation, to ruin a nation, and to leave us in such disrepair and such so fragmented that we would never again be able to rise and be the, lot, the city on the hill to give others hope around the world. And we're far from over on this. But each one of us is going to have to start coming to grips with the fact that the convenience of the world of the past is dead. And what lies ahead is not going to be selfishness, but unity, and it's the only, if we're going to win. We've got strikes brewing at FedEx. We've got strikes brewing at UPS. We have strikes brewing in the railroad. And ultimately, most of it's around wages. But you know, or work ethics or something or other, workloads, I don't know. None of that really matters in this. And though it sounds like a tangible thing and people are like, I have to pay my bills, what they're really reacting to is a self-engineered and or in, an engineered inflation, which was all designed to enslave people even more. And there's no winner there. The corporations will win in the end. And I'm not saying by any means to quit and stop that fight, but I am saying we have to start looking towards what the bigger fight is. We have all the numbers we own the roads with truckers and, and, and regular drivers. We own everything out here that matters that makes this system work and go because it doesn't go without us. The thing is that we have to start realizing our power again to accept that we have got dominion over evil. And we do. Again, we don't believe it. And part of the reason we don't believe it is we don't trust in the living God. God needs us all to put our eyes on him. We need to put our eyes on Christ and through Christ to the Father and walk that way in every single breath. 
There's loneliness, there's anxieties, there's fears, there's anger, there's hatred. And I've encountered it. I've also encountered amazing experiences of people just being friendly, people just being kind, people caring to just engage with one another and wanting to do a good job. You run into the egos and at the same time, you run into the humble ones that just work hard and they stand out in your eyes if you're looking. They don't stand out to the others around because those in power don't want them to be seen. But maybe it's the guy that's running the vacuum in, in the hotel. Maybe it's the clerk at the desk. Maybe it's the attendant at the gas station. Maybe it's a truck driver. But what you find is we're all trying to get by, but we are still lagging in the understanding that this system doesn't run unless we say so. And when we add to that the power of God and the, and the living God, and we add to that all that he gave us in dominion. He's not telling us to sit down and have other slaves do it for us. He's telling us to work harder, but work with the intent of Christ in our heart, to put Christ forward in all things and to unite as one people. I don't care if we unite as one people under the flag. What I care is we unite as one people under the banner of Christ, because that's the real unity which we have. And everything is convoluted. They want us thinking about Ukraine. They want us thinking about Israel. They want us thinking about Turkey. They want us thinking about Greece. They want us thinking about China. They want us thinking about Taiwan. They, and it, the narratives change every other day. Now we're supposed to think about the queen. I could care less about the queen. And the Brits have fallen into that for years. They want to worship some idol. The only one that ever needs to be on the throne is the one that was put on the throne here, and that's God. Not a king, not a queen, not a human form, but God himself. And so in this process, we have to start being honest about healing in this nation. We have to pull back and start taking true accountability with our children and with our parents. We have to reinforce the family and rebuild the arc of life. We have to start reaching out to the First Nations and we are the last. And we have to realize all of the rifts that were put in place intentionally so that we would forever hate ourselves. And we have to bury those rifts and sit together at round tables and broker peace for the future and strength in unity is standing against this evil. We pay our taxes and they use it against us. And yet we moan and complain about taxes and we get angry when they take away our Second Amendment rights. We're funding them. And there's no scripture that says fund evil and fund evil that's killing God's children because that's us being obedient to a system that they designed so that we would be foolishly slaves by our own free will. Everything we do now, if it's lensed through the word and lensed through God's way changes. We look at the world differently. And the biggest joke of it all is that we keep looking towards leaderships in men rather than realizing that they haven't been around for the last two years and we've done just fine. And the more that we put our eyes on Christ, we've done even better. So our nation is at a precipice. We are in the valley of judgment 
And we are being judged, have been judged, and we will continue to be judged. But this nation is going to stay in that wallowing pile of crazy until the remnant leads the many to put their eyes back on Christ and reset this nation with God on its throne. It's not going to happen by itself. It's not going to happen by some sky-splitting, horn-tooting experience. The living God works through us, and we need to be in our communities showing that living God working through us. We need to be reaching to God and trusting in him to bring about what others will see as miracles, which we know is just nothing more than who we are. I've seen these miracles in small ways all the way through this trip. The perfection of the many things when we listen, that when you look back on our roadmap, it all makes sense when we look forward, there's an unknown. What is that? That's walking by faith, not by sight. And it's a profound walk. And it's an exciting walk. And it's one that every single one of us needs to be digging into harder and deeper as we do. And as we do, all that noise and that confusion and that craziness and that chaos, all that stuff that they keep trying to dump on top of us, it just quietly goes away. It means nothing. That The news feeds that dump on Telegram every day with the when you step away from it for two or three days and you come back and every one of the accounts that you follow now has 400, 500, 1,000 posts. My life was just fine without it for the few days that I was away. In fact, it got stronger and more focused. And when we step away from the narratives they want us to focus on, we find that there's a certain peace that settles in even deeper into our hearts. We're not going to change this country through just a simple action of election. We're not going to save this country through a a deeper understanding of the intricacies of the political corruption or by somehow voting in a few people that are going to raise the banner of truth. Nothing changes unless this nation trusts in the Lord and puts their faith in Christ Jesus. When we do that, it's game over for them. That's our real mission. That's our real goal. That's our real path. And the most important part about that is to learn from the past. Jeremiah 6.16 talks about seeking the ancient paths. It also ends with they will not walk in it, meaning there is a choice that we can make. And it's an impassioned passage that reminds us that as we seek ancient paths and we find them, we find rest for our souls. But those who choose not to are forever unsettled. We need to seek that rest for the soul of this nation. We need to walk that path of the ancient paths and bring all the power that God gave us to do just that. And as we do, this nation will heal. We will bridge past the pain. We will be able to heal the many that made the poor choice of taking the backs. At this point in time, Where we are is where we are. We have no way of undoing what we tried to fight to prevent people from doing. They took the vax. They didn't take the vax. The only thing that matters in that decision that everyone needs to be accountable for is did you make your decisions based on any way on fear? And did you keep your eyes on Christ? Ultimately, the decisions that we make have to be fearless and our decisions have to have our eyes on Christ. And when we use that as a simple metric for everything we do, everything we breathe and walk. This life gets really clean 
very simple and very true. We're truly close to a massive victory. We're sitting on the precipice of something great or something horrible. Our egos, our desires for material things, our fears over whether we're going to pay bills, all of that is irrelevant if we put our trust in the Lord. But if we're going to continue to listen to the noise and confusion and intentional chaos being driven out of these power mongers and these satanic oligarchs, we're going to be right back in their trap. The remnant has to lead. The remnant has to stand strong. The remnant has to realize that there are tears in heaven and there's rage in heaven as well. Why? Because there have been true sacrifices on the spiritual realm to get us here. Not only did they did God sacrifice his son, but there has been sacrifice after sacrifice in the realm of the spiritual wars to try to keep us from falling into the pits of hell and to try to wake us up to return to Father. It's unconscionable in heaven that people will not keep their that humankind is not putting their eyes on God. And yet we see it every day. And so the burden falls again on the remnant. A remnant that understands that. A remnant that must do something quite profound. A remnant that must meet people where they are, not where we want them. A remnant that must feed them milk, not meat. A remnant that must guide them out of these pits. And we're not going to get a badge for it. You're not going to get an extra brownie point with God. We're simply going to be doing the mission that God needs us to do for the kingdom because we are all one in the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we're humbled that we have time each and every day to come together in this fellowship and to reflect and to realize just how significant of a moment that we live in at this time. And so, Father, we pray tonight that that importance of the moment will settle in on the hearts of the many who follow and walk in the path of the remnant. We have a true remnant, Father, a remnant that is willing and able, a a remnant that has given its heart to Christ, a remnant that is standing boldly here in the gap, a remnant that is understanding that we have to be watchers on the wall. We have to let people know what's coming. We understand the consequence if we don't, and we understand the importance as we do. So, Father, we pray for the strength. We pray for the courage. We pray for the many things that you've given us, for you've blessed us beyond measure. And, Jesus, as we stand here and walk this path, we ask that you'll guide us, join us, lead us, for we follow your banner in this war. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. The many reflections as I travel across this country always center again and again into how wonderful a land that we were given and yet how hard they have worked to take it away from us and how much they have failed. We are winning this if we will believe in it. We are winning this if we will trust in Father. And it's across the board if we are really paying attention to how many people are turning and seeking Christ. Seek it out, patriots. 
Look in your communities. Find those that are seeking to build the ranks, expand the foundations of the remnant. I mentioned you heard it last night in the Mike Lindell interview, and we're going to be pushing this very hard in the third week of October. A week-long event, which actually will be a month-long event, but a focused week at the third week in October of having localized rallies, revivals for the love of Christ. We have to get this country back to that place. Not the door-knocking and fear-mongering that goes along with if you don't accept Christ, somehow you're going to hell, because that's not the game and it's not the true message. But rather the nurturing and loving and power that Christ delivers to us to know that we have dominion over evil, that we can do greater works than he, and as we stand in the gap to fend off this evil, the true warriors will rise. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He will never forsake us and never has. It's us that's pushed him away. We need to stand back next to the throne as it was intended. And to do that, that's through the passage, through our acceptance of Christ. In the end, God will win. But he has us here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war, and it's very real. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. 
not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight push, we climb, we never give in, we become the nightmare that evil didn't know exist, we pray, we stand, we live by the words in God we trust, we fear nothing, we are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 